right, welcome into another edition of Designated for Assignment, and uh, happy Canada Day to uh, everyone as we uh, record this year on Sunday morning ahead of the series finale against the Boston Red Sox, and uh, yeah, more, really more of the same from the Blue Jays. Um, Every time it seems like this team has some momentum, uh, they lose whatever momentum you think they might have had. Um, they go four and two in the first nine, six of the nine games of this homestand, lose the first game against Oakland, win the final two, do the same against the Giants. Um, and they're just not playing good baseball. I don't really know what else to say beyond that. They're just not playing good baseball. They're winning games a lot of times in spite of that fact. But in order to reel off a number of wins, go on a win streak, go on a stretch where uh, your winning percentage is over 600, 600 or better, let's say over, I don't know, a 15 or 20 game stretch, you need to have every facet of your game clicking and feeding off one another and rolling into one another. And the Blue Jays just haven't had that really all season. And that's why they're, yeah, they're above 500. They're winning, you know, more games than than not. But that's why they haven't had the appearance of the team that a lot of people were hoping or expecting to see. You look at the Rays, you know, they get good starting pitching. Their offense is good. Yeah, their bullpen has been not particularly good. But, you know, more often than not, enough facets of their game are performing at a high level that enables them uh, to go on runs like we've seen so far to start the season. That's what the, the great teams do. And the Blue Jays just haven't done that. And we're past the midway point of the season. And baseball is a really weird game, a really weird sport, maybe more so than any of the other major professional sports where, you know, you could have a large sample size and then all of a sudden uh, you start playing. Look at the Phillies last year. Um, they were, I would say, an underperforming team really all season. And then they get into the playoffs and everyone's thinking to themselves, well, there's so much talent here. All you need to do is get into the playoffs and then you never know what can happen. And that's really what everyone says about a lot of teams going into the playoffs every year is that you get hot at the right time and then you can go on a run. And that's what happened with the Phillies. Nobody was picking them to make it to the world series and every facet of their game got hot at the right time. They were hitting a ton of home runs. Their starting pitching was good. Their bullpen, which wasn't exactly loaded with great household names or star level names or, or star level talents performed at the right time of the season. They got to game six of the world series and the blue Jays could very well do that. There's no reason to say that, you know, just because they didn't play that way for 162 games doesn't like there. I, I do think that they are capable of that, but as you sit past the midway point of the season, the blue Jays just haven't been a great team in, in any way. Um, they've been underwhelming, they've underachieved, they've been disappointing. Any adjective you want to use uh, to describe them is appropriate. They just haven't performed. And maybe they figure it out over the last 80 games of the season, but there's more evidence to the contrary so far. Like, I don't really know why 
um, you know, you would assume that other than just or or think that other than just, well, you know, baseball can be unpredictable. And then a, a team with this amount of talent has to figure it out at some point. And I'm not going to begrudge that. That's certainly possible. But it's been a really it just hasn't been an enjoyable experience to watch this team um, through more than 50% of their schedule. Uh, it just hasn't. Uh, anyway, like I, I'm always going to watch because it's just, it's ingrained in me. It's always been, and I'm not going to say, oh, well, they're not as good as I thought they were going to be. So I'm going to stop watching. That's not really what uh, fandom and, you know, following a sports team is all about, you know, you support, you watch through thick and thin and, um, it's not as if this is just a complete disaster and they're 15 games out of a playoff spot and they're destined to sell. Uh, they're still right in the, the mix, but a team that was expected to win the division or or very much be in contention to be double digit games um, out of first place through 50 some odd percent of the schedule is terrible. It's just, it's really bad. Um, it, it's just that there's, there's no way I can sugarcoat that. It's just, it hasn't gone anywhere near according to script. And, uh, it's not as if there haven't been some positive developments, you know, I, I'm writing some mid season report cards and there have been some, some positive performances, but they're 11 games out of first place. Uh, as we record this, uh, their run differentials. Okay. Plus 20. Um, you know, it just, They've been okay, I would say, at best. They haven't been, I wouldn't call them good. Uh, Like they were on pace through the midway point of the season to win 88 games. That's not great. I I think everyone expected that this would be at least a 90 plus one win team. Um, And they're going to need to play uh, a pretty pretty solid pace in terms of win percentage to get to 90 wins. And they're in this easy, quote unquote, easy stretch of their schedule. And after the four and two start, I was thinking, you know, they have nine games left. They've got to go at least six and three. And now you're talking about, well, now they've got to win six of the final seven games before the uh, all-star break to achieve that. And maybe they do it, but there's not a lot of reason to think that that's definitely going to happen. They've already dug themselves Uh, a little bit of a hole in that regard. And you can't keep expecting to win series when you drop the first game, seemingly every series. They've been on a really bad stretch where they get behind the eight ball in a series and they've won some, they've won, like they did it against Oakland. They did it against San Francisco, but you know, it's difficult to win the final two games after dropping the first one. That's why it's always so important to win the first game of the series. And they, they haven't been doing that. And, no, as per usual, Kevin Gosman's going to have to try and bail them out because, uh, you know, that's just been how it's gone for him this year. Like the bullpen's been taxed at times. And then it's just, well, we need you to go at least six here to buy the bullpen a little bit of a blow and give us a chance to win. And hopefully he does that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's just been a very odd season. Disjointed. It just hasn't really been what I think anyone was expecting to see. And, uh, you know, like this is a middling team in a lot of offensive categories, which again is really surprising. I understand that, you know, there were some moves made that was obviously 
uh, going to impact in some respects how this team was going to produce at the plate. You get rid of Teoscar Hernandez, who'd won a couple of silver sluggers and been an all-star and hit hit a bunch of home runs uh, for you over the years. Yeah, you're expecting that to ding your power in some respects, but the moves that they made to balance out the lineup and try and compensate for some of the power production that was lost just haven't worked out so far. Uh, Brandon Belt's been better since a just dreadful start to the season. But if you had said that uh, Brandon Belt, as we sit in early July, was going to have four home runs, that's just not good enough. I understand his OPS is is decent. His on-base percentage has been largely pretty good. He still can't hit a high fastball, and we've seen it of late. Teams are just busting him up and in, and he just isn't able to consistently catch up to it. He's on pace for eight home runs and, and 35 RBIs and almost 160 strikeouts. It hasn't – kudos to him for rebounding and having more productive moments, but four home runs is just not going to cut it. It's just not what the Blue Jays were looking for um, when they signed him. You know, Dalton Varsho, sort of the same thing. He has more – I think he has 12 home runs – and he has double-digit steals, and he could easily have a 2020 season. But his OPS is under 700. He's batting under 230. His on-base percentage is under 300. Uh, again, strikes out probably more uh, than you'd like. Up, up and in fastballs. Fastballs just up in the zone. He struggles with. Hasn't made enough of a, an adjustment. His numbers against right-handed pitching leave something to be desired. Uh, he's been underwhelming. As well, he's been really good defensively, like in terms of uh, defensive runs saved. He's been one of the best players in the league right up there with Kevin Kiermaier. So that's obviously good. And the Jays have been a much better defensive team uh, overall. They've been an objectively really good defensive team. And they've won games doing stuff like that, close games, because, you know, they save a hit here or there in the late stages that maybe would have resulted in a run being scored. But like there are two, you saw what happened on Saturday. Yeah, that game was there for the taking in, in the ninth inning, or at least to tie it up. And then, you know, was it Luis Rivera not doing his job well enough? Was it Boba Shett not looking? Whatever happened on that play, that's just so bad to have that happen to end the game. Making the final out at home plate. By a good 15 feet. It wasn't even close. And however you want to allocate blame in that situation, that just can't happen. They're they're just, you have to have an abundance of caution. Springer probably should have scored on the Bichette double. Maybe it's a different situation um, if he does, whatever. But that just can't happen. That's just the kind of stuff that when you're struggling to some extent to rack off wins, you just can't have these self-inflicted wounds uh, in big moments that end up just kind of, kind of cutting you off as you're trying to rally in a ball game. And it just, I think it was just a, a perfect encapsulation of the season so far. The Jays are seven and 19 as we record this against teams in the American league. That is so bad. Uh, I just, I don't really know what else to say, uh, about it. I, it's not just one of these, oh, well, small sample sizes. They just have consistently not been good enough uh, against teams within the division. And you look at that and say, well, the, all the teams in the division are 
solid at the very least. I understand the Red Sox have been inconsistent, but you put the Red Sox in a lot of other divisions and, and they're probably going to be a, a pretty competitive team. It's a good lineup. They have some, some decent pitchers as well. We saw Paxton Cutter Crawford was pretty good. Garrett Whitlock has some good stuff as well. Um, and then obviously the rest of the teams in the American league East are, are all above 500. So it's just not a really good indication that you're struggling to the extent you're struggling against solid teams and the Jays record against teams with a winning record uh, is not particularly good either. And you want to be about 500, I would say, maybe a few games over uh, against against uh, winning teams. And then you kind of take care of business against the not very good teams. And that's what allows you uh, to have a, a good record. You look, the Jays record against teams with a 500 or better or above 500 records, 26 and 33. That's just not good enough. You, you look at... Yankees are above 500. Orioles are above 500 against those teams. Rays are obviously very good. Uh, 26 and 33 is just not uh, good enough. And you look, they're they're 0-6 now against the Red Sox. Last season, the major reason they made the playoffs and the major reason the Red Sox were nowhere close is because they went 16-3 and against Boston. And I think it's a pretty fair bet to say if the Jays end up falling short, losing games to the Red Sox at the clip that you did and struggling against teams within the the division the way that you did, considering you know, the Yankees are in a wild card spot, the Orioles are in a wild card spot, the Rays are likely to, I would say, cruise to the division. It's more likely than not that they win the division going away pretty comfortably. Uh, that's going to be the major reason that those teams make the playoffs uh, and the Jays don't, if that is what ends up happening, is because you know they had more success in the head-to-head matchups against the Jays uh, than the Jays did a- against them. So they got to. F- I've been. I feel like I've said this so many times this season. It's like, oh well, they've got to figure it out. They're bound to figure it out. It, it, when's it going to be figured out? And it just hasn't been. And we're. More we're at the 84 game mark. So the Jays have played, I don't know, 51, 52%, whatever it is, uh, of their schedule. And they this is who they've been. And maybe they they do, but there's more evidence to the contrary so far uh that that's the case. And like I said, baseball is a bizarre game, so anything can happen. But uh through the first 84 games of the season, um, it just hasn't been um a success uh in any way shape or form okay so uh, let's get to alec manoa who got absolutely shellacked against whoever it was in the florida coast complex league whatever it's called uh gave up 11 hits 10 runs two and two thirds what it was a horrible line and then we had no video evidence so there's no way of knowing how good or how bad, you know, his stuff was. You're going to, anyone who was expecting otherwise, the Jays aren't going to be pouring it on, piling it on poor Alec Mano and saying, oh, well, yeah, he was shit and his stuff was shit and there was no positives. They have to spin it in a certain way uh, to keep him as confident as possible and saying that, you know, his mechanics were good and his location and, oh, these Florida complex league kids, they're swinging at everything. The defense isn't as good. All of that might be true, but it's very difficult to sugarcoat getting absolutely torched by a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds when you are an American league Cy Young finalist. 
last year. There's just, there's no real way that you can argue with me that, that, that there are positives, that there are building blocks. And I think on the surface, it, the news that he, he was going to start at double a was a bit surprising and that starts going to be on Sunday. So we'll see what happens um, in, in that outing. But I understand what they were 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 trying to accomplish. More of a, a game experience with fans and just more of an atmosphere than just pitching in a empty ballpark for the most part. Um, I, I get why they wanted to try and closer simulate an actual game experience, but it's hard to be optimistic that Alec Manoa is going to pitch great in, in that situation. I ideally you'd like to see some positive signs because Really, to me, it's all about, is his slider going to bounce back? Because without his slider being good, he's really going to have a difficult time. It's all moot if he has no command and he's walking the number of hitters that he was before he got sent down. But even when he was getting to two strikes, he just had no consistent ability to put anyone away. In the past, when he's been at his best, especially against righties, when he gets to two strikes... He had a pitch that he could rely on pretty consistently to get those chases, to to get some strikeouts, or at the very least to get some some soft contact. And that just wasn't happening um, this year. Even when he was at his best, he had his issues against lefties because his slider wasn't quite as effective against them. His changeup was inconsistent at best. He just, you know, he had his struggles against lefties, but he for the most part did a good job at limiting damage um, in those situations. And then this year, obviously he didn't, Uh, he was getting hit hard. He was allowing too many free base runners in terms of walks. And no, I said this when this first happened, I still maintain this. I would be surprised if we see Alec Manoa again this year. I know that the blue Jays are very sunshine rainbows and lollipops about it with Alec Manoa, but he was just so far away from being a contributor. And, you know, you're not bringing him back up to be the fifth starter in the rotation. You're bringing him back up to be the guy or one of the guys with Kevin Gosman. And uh, I just don't think that they're going to do it until they feel as though he has enough of a base to be closer to that guy than not. You're not bringing him back up if you're there's any level of doubt that he's going to be effective and he just doesn't seem close. And uh, Hanjin Ryu sounds like he's going to be back. I would say right around the trade deadline. And a lot of people might say, Oh, well, there's your trade deadline acquisition. I just don't think you can immediately throw Hyunjin Ryu into the rotation and expect him to be um, a real contributor. I, I really do think that, the Jays need to figure out some way to add. Initially, it was you were thinking more along the lines of a depth piece, maybe a swing man um, that could start some games and then could also pitch out of the bullpen. Because I, I do really think you need to get Trevor Richards back into more of a traditional relief role with how effective he's been and, and how good he's been at racking up strikeouts. I just think you need that weapon let's call it in in the bullpen and i think it really hurts not having him consistently available to pitch out of the bullpen you might need some impact in the rotation and jays are in a really difficult spot to improve their team this year rentals sure 
But in terms of adding impact, whether it's rental or control, I, the Jays don't really have that much. I don't think they're trading Ricky Tiedemann. I don't think they're trading Elvis Martinez. They have some prospects, but they've really depleted the system over the past couple of years, and they haven't really replenished it. And that makes making these deals tricky. And I don't really know how the Jays are going to approach the deadline. It's still early enough before it that I don't think you've made any uh, declarations about what you're going to do. Like the deadline is, uh, I think, a month away. But you have a pretty good idea of what your strengths and your weaknesses are and uh, what you're looking to accomplish and maybe, you know, what what uh, prospects might be available. The Jays will make some deals, but I, I don't think that they're going to be able, barring something unforeseen, uh, to make a huge impactful addition or additions uh, before August 1st or on August 1st. I, I just think that the way that their organization is currently constructed in terms of the prospects, it's just going to be very challenging. And there are other teams um, that have more to them. The Baltimore Orioles can do anything they want at the deadline. Their level of prospect depth, they can make any deal they want. I don't know if they're going to. I don't think that they're going to deplete in any way their prospect capital for rentals. But if they wanted to get some player with some control, they can make any deal they want. The Jays just are not going to be able to do that. Um so it's going to be really interesting to see how they they navigate the deadline. We'll see what they look like at that point, you know, in terms of where they are in the standings. There's to me almost no chance that they're selling. I just don't see any scenario in which they're trading Matt Chapman or any of their relievers or anything like that. They would have to play some really shitty baseball for that to even be a remote possibility. And uh, maybe that happens, but I, I just think that um, it's it's very unlikely. So anyone who's saying, well, they should sell, even if you were, like, let's play the hypothetical game and you were bad enough over the next month to sell. People are saying, oh, well, you replenish the, the cupboard a little bit with some prospects. You could get just maybe a couple of decent prospects for Matt Chapman. He's going to have to play a lot better. Uh, he's a rental, though, and it's always tricky to forecast how a rental is, is going to do in terms of fetching you legitimate assets. I was surprised that Araldus Chapman got a couple of prospects back, rental reliever who, yeah, he's been good, but there are issues with walks. He doesn't pitch it really on back-to-back days. I wonder how that's going to go, but they got a potential pitching prospect and a young outfield prospect, uh, Kansas city in that deal. So maybe there's more out there for those types of players than, than I might expect. But, you know, if you were to sell and trade most of your rentals or lower cost type players, I don't think you're all of a sudden just going to be overflowing in the prospect uh, situation with what you would potentially get. Um, you have to do that kind of stuff internally. You have to draft and develop uh, better to get to where you want to go. Look at the Dodgers. They do a really good job of that. They trade when they see fit and they have other prospects coming up to make an impact for them. Uh, they've had tons of injuries this year in the rotation and you're getting guys, you know, Bobby Miller, uh, Grove, uh, Sheehan, Coming up, yeah, there have been inconsistencies, but they've had moments and they can turn to those guys, whereas the Jays just are going to a bullpen day 
because they don't have anyone that they reliably are confident and can come up and get the job done. And if anyone were to get hurt, we said this last week with Caitlin, they're in really bad shape and they have to just do a better job of having some internal options that you feel confident enough in uh, can come up in a pinch for, you know, a week or two or something like that to, to get the job done. So we'll see what happens here um, over the next month, but the Jays certainly going forward have to do a better job of uh, developing their prospects to get them closer to the major league level, to make an impact in a situation where, you know, they're injured or they're looking for a shakeup of some sort. Um, and and they just haven't been successful at that uh, enough over the last couple of years. Uh, I, I do want to look at, uh, you know, the bats got shut out three times over a 10 game span. You know, they're below average in home runs. They continue to hit in terms of their team hit, batting average, runners in scoring position continues to be a real issue. Uh, they strung together some hits in the second game of that giant series. I think they had six hits and five runs or whatever it was in the first inning of that game. Um, but you know, you look at, they just haven't been consistent in that regard. And, you know, it's just been a strange season for them, uh, at the plate and they just have to be better in that regard. You could say this about so many like aspects of their team, but you know, offense continues to be puzzlingly, uh, inconsistent. One of the, the real positives has been the performance of Tim Meza. Uh, he, you know, a lot of people were, uh, and rightfully so, were really down on him. He had an inconsistent year last year, like in terms of um, the percentage of inherited runners that were coming around to score. And, uh, um, you know, he gave up some home runs. Obviously, there was the issue in the wild card series uh, pitching to Carlos Santana, which was more on the manager than him, but he gives up that home run, his struggles against righties. He's been much better against righties this year. He's still obviously way more successful against lefties than he is against righties, but uh, he's been really good as of this recording. He hasn't given up a home run. His ERA in terms of relievers is inside the top 10 among all relievers. He's right around Josh Hader. He's been excellent. And, um, you know, you look at the bullpen and everyone talks about, well, Richards has been great and uh, Swanson has been great. Um, but, you know, Tim Meza flies under the radar. I guess it's not really that flashy. He doesn't rack up uh, a huge number of strikeouts. He's been okay. It's just under one per per inning pitched. But he gets a ton of ground balls. He doesn't give up much hard contact. As the only lefty in the bullpen, uh, he's been everything you could have wanted from that type of pitcher. And, you know, the bullpen has mostly been really good this year. There have been moments where they have struggled, but they've been, w- w- the pitching has been far from the problem uh, with the Blue Jays. Um, they just haven't scored enough runs and haven't uh, hit enough home runs. You know, for those easy runs where you stack a couple of hits and then there's a big blow and you can break a game open that way. They just haven't done that consistently enough. And the pitching and the bullpen in particular have needed to be so sharp, so consistently um, that, you know, it's been tough. And the odd time that they have blinked, uh, it's ended up costing them because the offense hasn't pulled its weight consistently enough to make up for the odd time that there is a hiccup, but 
you know, you give Tim Mesa his flowers. He's been uh, excellent. No question about it. And um, I do want to uh, give midseason grades, I guess. I'll, I'll have an article coming out Monday that is breaking down some of the key players. I look to me, the Jays, it's a C plus. I it was uh, kind of going back and forth, B minus C plus. People will probably say, oh, you're being even too generous with a C plus. You know, you are above 500. You're right in a playoff mix. Um, you're you're right there. It hasn't gone according to script, um, but I'm not going to, anyone who's saying an F, I, I think that's extreme. Uh, if you want to go see that, that's fine with me also. You know, they've underachieved relative to expectations. I, I said this off the top. I'm not arguing that uh, whatsoever, but I, I think, you know, they've been sort of a six, 6.5 out of 10. They haven't been great. They haven't been a complete disaster. There have been some really good performances. Bobachet, Kevin Gosman, Kevin Kiermeyer, Whit Merrifield. But, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has underachieved. Dalton Varsho has underachieved. Alec Manoa has obviously very much underachieved. Um, so it kind of balances out. There have been some some C, some D level, some F level performances. Um, but there have been some others that have kind of balanced it out. So I, I look at it as a C plus. Uh, it's been not, like I said, just not a particularly great experience to watch. Um, hopefully there's more in the tank here over the last three or so months of the season, but it just hasn't gone well so far. So I, I'm going C plus, uh, I'll have the, the breakdown and some analysis of some of the key players, uh, on Monday, but, uh, as always appreciate you, uh, taking some time, uh, to listen. Blue Jays will look to avoid a sweep at the hands of the Red Sox. And then they've got one more week before the all-star break. They're taking on the White Sox for three games in Chicago, and then the Tigers for three games in Detroit, and then their, uh, all-star break. And then, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Gabby Moreno will be in Toronto out of the all-star break against a really good Diamondbacks team. They're this one of the surprises of major league baseball so far this year to lead the national league west with the Dodgers and the Padres really impressive. And uh, that will be an opportunity for Jays fans to really uh, look at that trade up close and personal, the VAR show for Lourdes and and Moreno deal out of the all-star break, but uh, yeah, C plus for the blue Jays in the first half of the season. We'll see what they have in store over the last couple of months. Not off to a good start, dropping the first two games against the Red Sox. As always, you can follow me on Twitter. Even though Twitter, I don't really know what it is anymore. The rate limit exceeded stuff, the limit on tweets. We'll see. I might have to get this out of the uh, the outro uh, as we move forward. But for now, follow me on Twitter at jgoldberg12, at DFA underscore pod. As always, appreciate you listening. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, designated for assignment wherever you get your uh, podcast. Appreciate you listening, and uh, we will be back next week, as always, for another episode of Designated for Assignment.